Hello and welcome to this week's review for Movie Magpies, where we will be looking into scary stories to tell in the dark. I'm your host, Monique, here with my co-ghost, Will. How about we just get right into it? So, for anyone who doesn't know this movie, what exactly is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, Monique? The Netflix summary of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is, On the run from bullies, a group of trick-or-treating teenagers hide in a local haunted house and discover a trove of chilling tales unfolding within. Which is a bit misleading. I would explain it as a couple teenagers wander into a haunted house and start poking their noses where they don't belong. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. We'll get onto that point immediately after this, but just so that you, everyone is warned, this is still part of our horror special of two episodes where we talk about horror or talk about Halloween based movies. So this one is actually the horror based one. Last week Mm -hmm. we talked about Beetlejuice, which was a little more fun. uh, It was a little more spooky sort of Whereas this one is actually this is actually scary, <laughs> some, somewhat a stepping stone to horror, which is great. But also just for people who are a little more nervous about that kind of stuff, just warning for elements of gore, implications towards character deaths, and arachnophobia. No spoilers in this review, but ultimately you have been warned. If you're if you're sensitive to that kind of stuff, I would be cautious while watching through this. But ultimately, it's still a very good watch for mm-hmm. that. Please do take care of yourself. I know specifically with arachnophobia, that's one of mine, and mm. I just had to have Will tell me when that was gone, when it wasn't yeah. happening anymore. I couldn't look at it. <laughs> yeah, but as you were saying regarding the summary, it's it's more that these kids kind of go out of their way to find a trove of chilling tales as opposed to stumbling upon it really it's super interesting to me that the summary says they stumble upon it because one of my or one of our main gripes with the story as we were watching it was why do they keep sticking their noses in stupid shit like the first what 20 minutes of the film they've already picked two locks like come on if there are locks on there they don't go down like they almost seem to go out of their way to cause trouble which was the note that I made about it. These main protagonists, so we have Stella, Augie, Chuck, and Ramon, who are kind of our main focus in this film, but they kind of go out of their way to cause trouble, and not in a, like, we accidentally stumble across trouble wherever we go. It's more like we're doing this intentionally to cause a reaction which will cause trouble. It's not even that. It's like originally so the movie opens with this isn't a spoiler them deciding that they're going to get back at the high school bully by egging his car and throwing a molotov cocktail made of flaming feces dog poo yeah they don't think about the consequences of this at all and when the molotov doesn't shatter on the car and instead they accidentally lob it through the window their immediate reaction is, oh, we've got to hide, and they run away. Yeah, trying to, to escape the consequences drive of Drive-in movie theater? Question mark? Yeah, I mean, that's popular during the time, and it's a nice piece of, like, kind of pop culture visuals, so I actually don't really have a problem with that. Though I do find it suspicious that it's so easy for them to get into the drive-in theater, they basically have to scrabble under a fence, which is not really that difficult to get past. And then they're just in, and ultimately that's basically just a movie theater that you actually have to pay to get into so yeah it was super interesting obviously then then just get in 
to Roman's yeah. car. And it was all, I guess, what I would say about the main characters is that they're all, in essence, at least a little, if not mostly, unlikable. Yeah. But I don't actually think that this is a negative towards the story. I no. really like that they're a little... Well, ultimately, they're kind of just kids in the end so a lot of their behavior can be chalked up to kids being stupid teenagers stupid yeah. teenagers you know ign- ignorant to wider consequences of their actions and that's totally fine and it doesn't necessarily ruin the film for either of us i don't think no in fact like i was saying I actually think that it's a point in the storyline's favour because it makes it a lot easier to be a more stepping stone type of horror movie. Yeah. Because I'm not as emotionally invested in the characters. It allows and therefore you to, it's not as yeah. upsetting. It, yeah, to watch it allows them you to disconnect from issues. them a little bit. Yeah, exactly. We're not so heavily invested in their arcs so that if any of them did die, not saying any of them necessarily do in any particular order but if they did you wouldn't necessarily feel completely distraught to the point where you have to stop watching the movie i think you're given enough that these kids are pretty much kind of assholes to step back from the immersion of the film to and there's only really one exception yeah there's only really one exception to that rule which i'm sure we'll talk about in the in-depth And other than that, it makes it a really good and enjoyable movie that still has, like, a little scare to it, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. I think, for the most part, the way that this film handles and grapples with fear and the atmosphere around fear, it's really good, especially for a film that's actually more directed at a younger audience, not necessarily kids, but definitely, like, young adults... And yeah, teens. you would say that this is probably MA15+. plus. I didn't actually check the rating, yeah. but I'm assuming it's around that. Uh, yeah, thereabouts. Depends on where you are, ultimately. Mm, true. But, yeah, it's like, I think one of the comments that I'd seen in reviews is that there's very little to no blood in this film. And it's because and it's, it's targeted towards a younger audience, even though... Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is a book that came out almost, uh, actually, interestingly enough, came out about 27 years ago yesterday. Yesterday? Yeah, I'm not necessarily completely accurate on that, but yeah, so pretty interesting time for us to actually review it, and I would argue a perfect time for us to review it, but it's a film, the film adaptation of the book is definitely directed towards a much younger audience than most stereotypical stereotypical horror goers. Oh, right. Okay, I was yeah. going to say the book itself was for an older audience? Question mark? No, the book itself was for a much younger audience. It hits the same kind of narrative beats as Coraline in that it's quite dark and disturbing, or Goosebumps books, where it right. still has that dark, disturbing narrative, but then it also still... It doesn't do too much or go too far in the realms of horror where it would be traumatizing for kids yeah it's more of a stepping stone into horror rather than actual horror i would say the book would be yeah absolutely with with that of course we can talk about the way it sets atmosphere i think one of the best parts about it atmosphere sphere setting is the music the music is really good it helps not to just set the tone within the movie but also to set the era that the movie's in which i think was a really hard balance to walk yeah absolutely i think the when it brings in actual music 
so actual soundtracks, it does a really good job of keeping them grounded within the themes of the film in that a lot of them are based around superstition and witches and all that kind of jazz, but it also fits the theme and the atmosphere perfectly. Yeah, and I completely agree with you there. It's the music just helps to set it and i will say the audio cues in this movie despite a couple jump scares are actually really well done in general it's yeah. not just the music that's good it's also that sort of this audio cues that you get yeah. for certain cgi effects as well yeah the soundtrack itself does really work at building tension the like non-diegetic music that is used to build up the tension is really really nicely done and it is a real shame and a detriment to this film that so much of the main predominant scares are reliant, not even reliant, but ruined almost by jump scares that a lot of this build-up to using the music is kind of broken with. And it's the point that I wanted to get onto next is that just as a critique of the film is that sometimes it actually has some really incredible moments of tension and terrifying atmosphere and it'll ruin it with a jump scare that you see coming a mile away but don't want to come in as well as like regular horror movie buffs i don't know about you monique but i am someone who loves watching horror movies just for that building of tension and of course the emphasis on fear but when you have a perfect setup to a scare which is like which is built upon the use of music, the atmosphere, the overwhelming understanding that something bad is going to happen to one of the characters that you have either built an emotional bond around or not. It doesn't matter either way, but you can still feel a sense of tension and fear in that. And then a jump scare is cut into it. You might be startled, but you'll end up feeling cheated by it. Because, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I find that a lot of my favourite horror movies when I first got into horror were the more tension movies, sort of like the paranormal activity, where there isn't a lot of, if any, jump scares throughout the film, and it's more just yeah. building tension until you think the tension can't be built anymore and then breaking it with a new yeah. scene. Building and tension I really and something happen. Yeah, it keeps you on the edge of your seat, and for yeah. me, I really like those ones as well a little bit more than the more, like, gory or jump scary horror movies just because yeah. I feel like I can engage a lot more with the text if that makes sense text yeah, with the no, film that's, <laughs> that's fair I was going to just quickly say I looked it up and uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark came out on the 31st of October 1981 mm, so yeah about a very appropriate time to launch a horror book yeah yeah and so that is one one of the main criticisms that we both had is that it kind of relies heavily on jump scares when it absolutely doesn't need to have them because it has built up that tension in such a perfect way and in in a classic way that is so enjoyable for for a horror movie and then it'll just cut in a jump scare and it just it just ruins it for for sure it's also interesting how they've put jump scares in certain places e.g you have the very classic spooky thing is standing behind the character and the camera pans so that you can see it yeah. that in itself was like enough of a jump scare yeah, and great. then they put the like loud noise over it which is kind of unfortunate because that's what i love about tension yeah. building that you're like oh my god it's right there i think, but I think it's one of those things that? that is just really surprisingly weak in more modern horror movies or horror movies that rely so heavily on jump scares is that I don't think they realise that that's not fear that they're inducing, you're startling your audience. 
Yeah, and it's, it's less not the same. fear and more, you know, shocking someone. Yeah. It kind of, if I was had hiccups, that yeah, loud noise it's... would probably fix them, but it wouldn't scare me. Yeah, it's not fear anymore. It's, it's the audience is startled, and that's just a shame. But moving on to a slightly more positive point about this fear and the, the building of terror, which is really, really great in this film, is that the monsters that are depicted in it look fucking great the special effects and what are they called when they're not cgi thank you practical and the practical effects in the cgi are phenomenal in this movie it's actually one of the things that i really love about this movie is you find in a lot of modern horror movies and sometimes in old horror movies the second that you see the scary thing in full it loses all spook factor and you kind of oh, I'm used to it now, it doesn't really mean anything. Sometimes the CGI looks a little bit stupid as well, yeah. which well, helps to remove that fear element. That doesn't happen in this movie. Yeah, well, uh, John Carpenter once said that there there is a general rule in horror movies that you don't show your monster, but with mm. John Carpenter, who is one of the leading kind of grandmasters in creating horror monsters and horror movies, because he, he released... Well, he was he directed The Thing and also Halloween, and his rule is, you can show your monster, but it has to be a fucking good one. And I think in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, they actually have some genuinely really fucking good monsters. I like, think, genuinely spooky, terrifying yeah, monsters. That are really nicely designed as well. I don't think we yeah. could talk enough about how amazingly well-crafted they look to give us this authentic presence and this visceral appearance within the film that actually makes it feel all the more real and all the more unnerving is that they definitely feel real and they don't there's no real disconnect in that because they're not cg they're all practical to a certain extent they feel real within the world and that's really really great i think that's what really helps build this tension within the film that that these monsters will be almost real within the world and then it also almost poses an actual danger to the characters which is yeah i enjoy honestly bring back practical effects i understand that cgi has come a long long way but practical effects are what sells it well, no, they weren't, but, no, but then, a lot of I, I movies do know what you mean. rely heavily on CGI yeah. these days. And it's almost upsetting because you lose that sort of corporealness to whatever you're looking at. And yes, CGI is getting better and harder to pick, but you still sort of hit that uncanny valley yeah. where you can tell something's quite off. And in a horror movie, sometimes people use the fact that the CGI looks a little bit off to like help with yeah. the atmosphere, but most of the time it usually just makes it less scary. So, yeah. Well, I genuinely think that we will never really get to a point where human characters made in CGI will ever look real, really. But... Even so, it has nothing to do with this film because the the most important parts of the film, those being the monsters, are they are practical, and as a result, they look great and they'll probably age really, really well. Mm, one of my favorites. What we love to see. Yeah, one of my favorites is definitely, like clearly the one that was more of the fan favorite favorites is that the pale lady looks absolutely terrifying just purely from it looks like a very loyal remaking of the book-based pale lady it looks almost oh, exactly so it's the same one-to-one with the description much, of the book. yeah 
Well, there's a drawing of it that it looks pretty much exactly the same, but real. And there's a it's, drawing in a book? Yeah, so one of the biggest appeals of Scary Stories to, to Tell in the Dark, the book, is that it had drawings in it that were very viscerally and very, what's the word I'm looking for, very confrontingly disturbing imagery without it going too far into the traumatizing avenue of illustration where children could look at these and be freaked out by them in the same way that much of Junji Ito's work has this very visceral disturbing imagery to it but because it's a drawing it elicits greater fear because you're left because it's there's no scene to cut over to beyond it and as a result and you you're can left almost to, get stuck staring yeah, at you, it yeah you almost wallow in this moment where in a film it kind of kind of cut away quite quickly and i think what's really great is that the film spends enough time on the monsters where you're allowed to really get a good look at them which i think is a really ballsy move for for a horror movie for sure and i think one of the positives to that is because they are practically made monsters they can do that without it looking terrible or without it aging badly because instead of the more time you're focusing on it giving the audience more time to figure out that it's not quite a hundred percent real you're giving them more time to focus on all the detail that was put into that practical effects yeah, exactly. makeup and outfit and costuming which is really really lovely i i just love practical effects in general i think they're always super cool and it's always going to look more real than cgi because cgi just ages poorly when it's not stylized yeah so. and when, when there's not a big enough budget behind it and even mm -hmm. even then i'd argue that it's still not going to necessarily age perfectly i'd argue that sometimes the bigger the budget the worse the cgi <laughs> sometimes yeah because i don't think they, they put the budget in the right place realistic yeah yeah but of course with that i think we'll we'll talk about that more the practical and effects and monsters and stuff like that but i wanted to quickly touch on the cinematography because i didn't talk i haven't talked about cinematography for a while but this film does a really nice job of providing very powerful visual imagery and powerful framing to the film that gives it a little more sense of visual deception and fear in that a lot of the frames are very like clearly done for a purpose and mm. pa each pan and tilt and follow focus of every single shot is done with intention where nothing kind of seems out of in the frame for no reason and i think that's really nice to do it allows us to get a, get to grips with everything that's going on in the frame very easily and in a film where it's more reasonable for you to be disor to be purposefully disorientated. It's really nice that the visual work of this film is intentionally allowing you to stay in the moment and not be disoriented. Yeah, it's really enjoyable. I think with the cinematography, one specific frame of the movie stands out to me, and it's right at the start, so it's not a spoiler, when they first go into the haunted house yeah. and the way that the camera is angled and the way that the shot is taken makes the house look huge in comparison Giant, yeah. to these scenes. Yeah, and, and it's towering over the kids. 
Yeah, yeah, it made it look all that more foreboding and scary. If it was a picture, the person would have drawn the house, like, curving towards the teenagers, and they managed to catch that vibe really welly well, where it looks like the house was almost looming over, like, a dangerous figure rather than an inanimate object. I do have a frame that I really want to talk about, but it's a little bit spoilery, so I'll move on to something a little different in that. Another thing I really, really like about this film is, probably more with Halloween films in general, is that the colour palette is all usually quite uniform, that they use the strong oranges and the browns and greens that are strongly associated with Halloween. Spooky time. time, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But they use it to such a vibrant effect that it allows this movie to have a very strong visual identity and I really like that one criticism of that and I think we both agreed is that the use of blue which is used as a bit of a refresher in the frame for certain scenes so that you don't have just all the same kind of color spectrum where it can get a little where details can get a little murky so they add in a little bit of blue sometimes the blue is just a little too vibrant and it kind of stands out a little too strongly like sometimes yeah, the sky it almost is just a little too blue feels like candy colored sickly saturated well, yeah I guess. my concern is almost that it almost feels like it's poorly color graded at points but i know it's not because this is an, a big budget film so i doubt they would ever poorly color grade a film but yeah, but they just like almost, that. it feels like they oversaturated the image to yeah. me when yeah. we're watching. And it's no, really it interesting like because that, the that use points. of blue is done really well in the darkness. And yeah. it's only really when they're trying to bring light and like a refreshment into the scene that they end up yeah. overdoing it with the blue because they use blue tones to show that it's dark because the movie is so warm toned that way yeah uh, though i do i do like that use because it stops the film from ever being too dark and i think if you're dealing with halloween based themes you actually never want it to be overly dark unless you genuinely want to disorient your audience and because scary stories to tell in the dark is targeted towards a younger demographic i don't think they ever want to make the audience feel like they have to squint to see the characters or to see what's going on in frame so as a result the darker scenes are actually filmed at a higher point of light but are lit with blue lights so that it's to make them look yeah it gives an illusion darker. of darkness and i just love the readability that it puts into the scenes i yeah. think i've said it before on the podcast but one of my biggest pet peeves is when a movie is made dark and you can't see what's can't going see on yeah. because they didn't think about the fact that it's still a film yeah. and it oh gosh it's genuinely pet peeve like every time a scene or a movie goes so dark they're in like a cave or something and you can't see what's going on you can only see the like shapes of characters yeah. i get so mad it pulls me out of the experience right away because i'm just ready to like rage at someone yeah. so i really like the fact that this film kept readability and still managed to keep the vibe and overall like oh it's dark and yeah. shadowy yeah no absolutely essence to i the film? think in in essence the film's intention was to make scary stories to tell in the dark which is remotely a series of stories for kids who are interested in horror it, the film made it with was made with the intention of being approachable for people who might be interested in trying horror out 
and I really like that. I think that's a really nice thing to do. I know that I've definitely heard some criticisms about this film, that it kind of waters down the heart of what Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is, and then as a result it's not a good adaptation of the work, but I personally, as someone who comes from a field of film, I think Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is a really good film if you're you know, if you're young and interested in horror, or if you're interested in horror but you're a little bit, like, easily terrified. Yeah, if you're squeamish or easily upset by the sort of darker themes that are in horror, it is a really good stepping stone, and I'm pretty sure you said stepping stone in the start of our review as well. That I would use, but it's... So, if I wanted to give a kind of lead-up for that, or if you wanted to say that Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, the movie, is like a gateway to horror. I think it does a really good job. Another film that does that really well, and maybe it's it's not fair to compare it to, but it does a lot of what this film does just a little bit better. And I'm only saying this because this is a review and we're here to kind of critique it, and I might talk about it more in the discussion, but a film that kind of does a lot of what this film does just a little bit better is Trick or Treat, which many people consider one of the pinnacles of gateway horror movies. I haven't actually seen Trick or Treat. We'll talk about it in the... We'll talk about it a little bit and then we might review it later on, but mm-hmm. yeah, so it does... It, it's in, it does a lot of stuff in the same vein as Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, but to remain on Scary t- Stories to Tell in the Dark, I think this film may not have necessarily gone into its development with the right ideas, but it had the intention of providing an avenue for people to enjoy horror who might not stereotypically enjoy horror. And as a yeah, result, I think it's genuinely creating, very good. Yeah, they went into the creating this um, film with the right attitude of it is marketed towards teenagers and yeah. or people who are not horror watchers, which I really, yeah. really like. It still is enjoyable for people like yourself. Yeah, but speaking of, I? would we would we want to get to our final thoughts, if you have any, of course. Yeah, no, I think final thoughts-wise, we do nitpick this a little bit, and we will probably nitpick it a lot more in the in-depth, but I think both you and I really, really enjoyed it as much as we're nitpicking it. You could nitpick any horror movie, because essentially for a horror movie to work, your main characters have to be at least a little bit stupid, which will always allow for nitpicking to happen. But it's a really, really enjoyable film, and there wasn't any point within the film that I felt bored. The pacing is really good. Yeah, that's a really good point. The tension is kept really well. It doesn't feel like it's going too fast or too slow. It doesn't disorient the viewer. Like, it's, it's... really really well made and it definitely hit that heart of a lighter or more beginner horror film yeah what would you give it out of a scale of scary stories though out of a scale of scary stories i would give this a 5.5 like i said it was actually really enjoyable and it didn't take itself too too seriously could have done without the jump scares which is why it lost a couple points for me it's definitely a good one to start out of you're new to horror and don't want to jump straight into the deep end of the genre. Yeah, I think personally it's a film that is so genuinely enjoyable to watch that though we criticised it and we we have been very critical of it and we will be very critical of it because there are a great many flaws within the film, I think one of the greatest joys of horror movies is that a horror movie can have 
a fuck ton of flaws and still be quite enjoyable to its audience. And for me, I gave it a 6 out of 10 scary stories because I found the film genuinely enjoyable despite its faults. And however, to be fair, as a review, I don't want to give it a higher place on my scale of 10 just because, to be completely fair with it, these faults still allow it to align at a certain point on a rating yeah, scale yeah. for sure. So I can't, I'm not going to give it special treatment just because it is still genuinely enjoyable. It has faults and these faults definitely do hold it back. If it didn't, it would probably be a lot higher up on this Which point. Is interesting because whenever we review something, we always look at the whole yeah. for our review. And I think there's only been once or twice where we've been incredibly biased yeah. in our ratings, at which point we were biased for good reason. So yeah. even though this movie was really enjoyable to us, and I would definitely watch it again as long as you were still there to tell me to look away when oh, yeah. there was on screen, <laughs> yeah. it's it does still have its flaws and I am very very excited to get into the in-depth and nitpick. Yeah, rip it to shreds basically, <laughs> yeah. But as a, as a kind of stepping stone to horror, it is really good and I can't recommend it enough. Partially because I don't think there are enough gateway horror films. A lot of, I think a lot of horror buffs kind of just go, oh watch this and it's basically just a deep dive into the horror genre. Watch and this. it's not it's really level ten. Yeah, it's not really a great way to get people interested in horror because you need to kind of warm them up to it. Because some people just kind of like the spooky aspect of it, the spooky nature of it, or the Halloween-based nature of it for some of the films. And then recommending something like Friday the Thirteenth just doesn't work. Yeah, so, a lot of people, I suppose, like horror for the novelty rather yeah, than exactly. Than for and the if bear. you're looking, yeah, if you're looking for horror novelty. This has got it in spades. Hmm, exactly. But anyway, I think we should probably wrap up our review. To wrap up, just a reminder to follow Will and myself on our social medias. Will is on Twitter at Inc and on Instagram at Will underscore Mortlock, and I am at both Twitter and Instagram on Nexatai. I am much more active on Twitter, and Will is much more active on Instagram. Please do give us a follow. Sometimes we drop fun little snippets of these episodes, sometimes in advance, so you get a little sneak peek into what <laughs> we're going to be talking about. And we also do hint refreshes. Soon we're going to start doing polls as well once we run out of ideas of movies to watch so <laughs> that maybe you can pick some for us. Yeah, well, mostly we kind of want to connect with our audience more and more because we like you guys. Yeah, yeah, we we'd say? love to hear from you guys. <laughs> yeah, but ultimately, if you haven't watched the film, definitely go watch it. If you want to go check out our in-depth review, then we'll be talking about it more and more. But also, a little bit of a reward for everyone who listens is for, to the in-depth review is that I always have a pointless research every single week. This week, we're doing something a little bit fun because it is Halloween. Uh, I have put together a little horror movie quiz for Monique to I'm take part in and for all of you to take part in as well. Oh boy. <laughs> so we're going to be seeing if you guys and if Monique can survive ho classic horror movies. So be sure to check it out. I genuinely think it's going to be a lot of fun. I really enjoyed putting it together. So I hope you guys enjoy taking part in it. If you get a high score, let me know. But you'll only find out once we do it. So go check out the in-depth. I am tentatively optimistic about this one. I think you'll I be alright. why. Yeah, I just, I feel like I'm a reasonable person who wouldn't get mixed up in horrible shit most of the time, if yeah. only because I am a scaredy cat. And this time so, it's multiple choice, so you're all good. 
Oh my gosh, it's multiple choice? Yes, I've made it multiple I'm choice. Heck yes, you did. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Please catch us in our in-depth, and I hope that you're staying safe and warm on this spooky, spooky weekend.